Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. What if you woke up one day and your savings account was bigger than you could ever imagine? I'm Shauna Compton-Game, this is Millennial Money, and today we're talking how she saved $85,000 in one year with Jamila Souffrant.
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. I get so many questions all the time about saving money because I think it is this mystery that we can't quite seem to figure out. In fact, there was a couple articles a couple years ago that uh, I think like really hit the nail on the head. And it talked about this mystery spending that we all seem to do. And we don't know that we're actually doing it until we, you know, kind of roll up our sleeves and dive deep into our spending. And when we do it, then we find that there's like all these areas that we didn't know, like, wow, I'm spending that much. And it's never on things like coffee, although, you know, for some time, for some people it is, but it's usually on things like subscriptions or Uber or Lyft, or it could even be on travel and weekend getaways, or it could just be on little things like for us women, it's usually makeup. We usually spend a ton of money on that. For guys, sometimes you spend a lot of money on haircuts and you don't even realize that you're spending that much on them. But it could be something for everyone. Everyone's kind of got their own thing, their own, you know, kind of mystery spending. And it's about finding out what that is. And it's not necessarily a process of cutting that out because I think that sort of, it takes away all the fun in the life. But setting some sort of boundaries around it and just at least having awareness, especially if you're trying to achieve a certain goal. And so the Ask Shauna question today is a little bit different than we've done on most episodes. The whole episode, I think, is really about an Ask Shauna question. And I've got a lot of these lately. I just kind of took snippets from a few questions that I received uh, Julie sent in, sent in a question, a great question, and I pulled out from her her question kind of the theme of what she was saying, which is, how can I find ways to save more money every month? And I think that's something that we all can resonate with, whether it's something we really actually want to do or just something where we're thinking, you know, I should probably do this. Roberto sent in, Maybe I'm not seeing the whole picture. I make over $100,000 a year and still I'm trying to figure out how to save money. It just feels like it evaporates every single month and I don't really know where it's going and I don't have a lot to show for it. I do drive a flashy car. Perhaps that's where all my money is going. But other than that, I just don't understand where it's going. This is so great. I hear this sentiment echoed so much. Everyone that I've worked with, it's kind of shared somewhat of the same story. Michelle says, I think we're pretty good savers, my husband and I, until I look at our savings account and it never seems to grow. We keep moving money back into our bank account every month. So even though we have savings built in our budget, it's just not going anywhere. And this is another symptom. And I've been guilty of this myself in the past where I'll have you know the savings account that's connected to my bank account and I'll move the money into my savings account. And at the end of the month, I just end up moving the money back. So in in essence, you haven't actually saved anything. You just moved money around. There's nothing wrong with that. I think we all go through different points in time where that is kind of the case or the symptom of what's happening in our finances. And then Marcia says, kind of the complete opposite But I think this might resonate with some of you as well. She says, my parents were bad savers and I think I'm too much of a saver to the point where I stop myself from having fun or going on vacation. Is that such a thing? How can I get in a better relationship with my savings so that 
I'm a balance between my parents and myself, and I'm not going to an extreme. I think that's another side of saving that we don't talk about a lot. We're so focused on saving tips and showing people who have saved a lot of money, but it's a reality for a lot of people that you feel stuck in this world where you become this kind of ultra saver where you're saving to the point of not being able to do anything fun in your life. And it's actually making you not feel very good. It's sort of the same as the person who's looking and going, we can't save anything. It is sort of the same dichotomy, although it's uh, a little bit, you know, the, the dichotomy there is there, what I should say, but it's different situations. One person has savings, is sitting on savings. The other person doesn't have any savings, but at the end of the day, they both sort of feel the same way when it comes to savings. Like it's the stress in their life and they're they're not quite sure what to do. I wish there was a magic potion or a you know crystal ball that you could look into when it comes to savings, but when it comes down to it, it's pretty simple. And I think the fact that it's pretty simple is why we complicate it, why it is so hard for so many of us, it, because it's really about discipline. And that's not a very fun thing, especially when it comes to finances and maybe not doing some of the things that we really want to do because we know it's in the best interest of our savings. It's about finding these little holes, these little areas of mystery spending and plugging them up, either making a change or shifting the budget around in some way that it makes up for these little holes. It's also about starting to know in full plain view what your expenses are. And honestly, this is the trick. And it's not a trick. Again, it's it's very simplistic. It's very foundational. But it's something that we a lot of times just skip over completely. But I've worked with people who make million dollars a year are still living to paycheck to paycheck when they come back to this very simple step. It's the same awareness for them as someone who's just rolling out of college and getting your first job. And there are so many different tools. There's great apps. I know I've talked about some of my favorite. Uh, you Need a Budget, one of my very, very favorite apps. Love that app. It's also a, a PC or Mac desktop version. Personal Capital is great, especially if you want some sort of wealth management piece rolled into that. Mint is kind of the OG when it comes to budgeting apps. Not one of my favorites. I find that people either love it or hate it, but if it's something that works for you, great. I mean, you got to stick with whatever works for you. Paperwork's great too. Post-it notes, anything that you can use that's going to motivate you to keep looking at your numbers, to keep finding ways to save money, to keep redirecting what you're spending is going to be a win in any day. And savings can include a lot of things. It's you know, typically we just think of our retirement plans, our 401ks, our Roth, our IRA, but it also includes any matching funds that our employer is giving us, any outside investments. If you use Acorns or Betterment, all of that is counted in there. Of course, all your savings accounts, emergency fund, even debt payoff, all of that is some form or fashion of savings. So when we think about savings, I think we have to think about it in a broader sense. You might even count your house that you bought, if it's in a good area that has appreciated a lot, you might even count that in your savings. Although the hard part about that is that your house isn't liquid. So you couldn't sell it tomorrow. Well, you could sell it, but probably not for the price 
that you would actually want to get. So uh, Jamila Soufrant, who's on the podcast today, I met her with a bunch of other personal finance female experts and influencers when I was in New York City in January. We had this amazing brunch where we all kind of shared what we're doing and what we're up to. She sat next to me and she was so sweet and so lovely. And she had this really big goal of retiring herself from corporate life. And that takes a great deal of savings because the savings is what's going to give her options. The savings is what's going to let her continue in whatever path she wants to continue in. And hopefully we'll be there, you know, enough of a support until other income picks up for her. But she told me the story of how her and her husband saved $85,000 in one year and almost as much in another. And they have two kids and one on the way. So I knew she just had to share her story with you as well. And not everyone can save that much. That's an awful lot of money. It is not so much about the number as it is about the habit and the mindset about savings. But more than that, what I think you'll you'll take away from Jumila's story is you've got to have a mission for those savings too. Otherwise, it's just too easy to throw in the towel. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. 
Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, Experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. So, Jamila, I want to start off with um, a really powerful punch. And you talk about so many different money lessons that you've learned on your own podcast journey to launch. But I'd like to just start out with, you know, what do you think has been the most powerful money lesson that you've learned thus far? The most powerful money lesson has been actually just to be aware. It's almost like the awakening of being just aware and, 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 involved in your finances because a lot of it yes the technical stuff the budgeting and knowing the right accounts all that is obviously really helpful but what really helped and changed my behavior changed my goals was that I became aware I became aware of what I was doing with my money I you know it, I wasn't utilizing it as best as I could and I realized I had these goals and I wanted more out of life so just a simple like awakening part of it was pretty 
was pretty impactful for me. So I feel like for most people, unless it connects in that way, unless they understand really like, you know, like what it is and they like that awakening moment is really what turns the switch on because there's so many people who try to like budget and do all the things and, you know, improve their finances and it doesn't stick. Right. So what's what, what I found that really keeps me motivated and it sticks for me is because I'm truly aware. Like I feel like I've taken the power back of just understanding what I want out of life. And so I, I'm able to make better decisions for it from that. And that really, really, really helped in terms of helping me determine my goals and then like the savings and investing part of it kind of falls into place. Yeah, you know, that's so powerful. And I talk about that a lot on this podcast. And I think that people underestimate the power of that, the power of even just the mind shifts that happen with money. You know, was there was there like a a moment or sort of an epiphany that happened for you where you thought like, okay, I I have to kind of change this and have this awareness. Hmm. Yeah, I would say that it was really, you know, I wasn't horrible with money, but I definitely wasn't optimizing my finances. And because I was and still am, I'm working, I'm still working um, in a job and I have a long commute. You know, I, I almost said to myself, well, this is just how it is. You know, you go to work and you make money and yeah, you save some of it and you invest some of it. But I didn't understand that there was a way to still reach my goals, like in the confines of like not creating my own business or be, like I didn't know how to become financially free unless I started a business and became a millionaire and it wasn't until like I had this horrible commute one day that I thought to myself you know like I can't do this forever like there must be another way which is kind of how I fell down the rabbit hole of listening to podcasts and reading <laughs> books so I feel like that was part of my it was like the really beginning of the awakening moment for me because I realized that there were people you know normal people working regular jobs um, so whether that was, you know, mid income level or high income levels that were able to save and invest a lot of their money and then 10, 15, depending on their starting point, were able to retire early or at least maybe set themselves up to where they could do something they loved. Right. Like they set themselves up really good for that. So just realizing that that was possible <laughs> was very transformative for me because I'm one of those people where if I, I if there's someone else in the world doing something. I'm like, oh, well, I can do it too. So I just have to figure out how to do it. So that's really what set it off for me is that just knowing that there was this possibility out there that you don't have to work unhappy and unfulfilled and, you know, spend like everyone else until you're 65. You can make some changes and who knows like what can happen. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about that too, which I think you're definitely hit, hit the mark on is, you know, you don't have to be somebody who's like, you know what, I'm not going to be aware with my money until, you know, I make six figures or until, you know, I've got a million dollars in my retirement account. You know, it, it really doesn't matter what the number is in your bank account. You can start having that awareness any point, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important because I feel like, you know, while my content, like the ultimate goal is to help everyone reach financial independence. It's funny because I was um, talking to Vicki Robin, who was is the co-author and of the popular book, Your Money, Your Life. And we both were talking about how, you know, a lot of people may not ever reach financial independence, the stage where you have enough to never have to work again and you can retire early. But that's not the point of it. Like um, that probably seems the point of it to people looking in and who like don't get pulled in and really understand it. But there's so many different levels, right? Like you have debt that you have to probably pay off and you may have these goals. You want to buy a house. Like there's so many levels within the financial journey that 
you don't have to wait to become like a millionaire, right? To do any of those things. You can like enjoy the journey, appreciate the small wins and make your way to that point and hopefully you reach it. But if not, you're in a better place than you started. So like, don't wait until you have all the money, you know, to discipline yourself and conduct yourself as if you are someone who is worthy and wealthy. And to me, like that in turn, like helps you create and draw more money to you. Yeah, that, that it's, that's so great. You know, I think that that hopefully resonates with a lot of people. And you even talk about, you know, on your website, how one of the kind of smart money moves that you made when you were young was actually buy real estate and how, you know, just by doing that and making kind of that smart money move has given you lots of options now that, you know, you might not have had. You live in a very expensive, uh, expensive place. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, how powerful that just that money move was for you. Mm, yeah. So I live in New York City and I grew up in Brooklyn and I do come from humble beginnings. So, you know, my mom was a single mom, immigrated here from Jamaica without anything. So I watched her struggle and as a single mom, support me and try to make things work with what she had. But I've, what, I, what I saw growing up was something where I said to myself, I understand like money is important, you know, so I was always very aware. And so part um, luck, because it was just the right time <laughs> in the market, but then part hard work is that I got a well-paying internship while I was in college and, and I started looking for real estate because what happened was my grandmother actually, she had bought real estate. My, this is all, she's also was an immigrant, didn't have anything. She watched children for a living. That's the only thing she could do when she really came here without much of education and being older, she was able to buy um, a brownstone in the area of Brooklyn called Fort Greene, but it was before it was the coveted Fort Greene it is today. So by the time I became um, in high school, I was in high school and college, it had appreciated so much the property. And I saw that and thank God, like, I don't know, I was just aware that that was such a good move, but she could care less. Like, so I thought to myself, if my grandmother can like become a little mini real estate mogul and like, she could like care less about it. Just, she just wanted her own piece of the American dream. Surely like me, like given more of the opportunities that I was given and being able to go to school and having a good internship, like I should be able to do something. So I started to look for um, something to buy actually when I was a senior in college because I had all this money saved up, but I just couldn't afford anything because everything was out of reach and too expensive <laughs> in Brooklyn at that time. But I did find um, a condo in this area that no one knew or cared about in, called Dumbo, which is like the today is the most expensive place to like buy real estate in New York. But then, it you know, it was really unknown. And so luckily for me, I was able to invest in a studio apartment that I still own today. And I say that's my best investment move and decision I've ever made because now, you know, I have a piece of real estate that has a more than doubled in appreciation. And it's something where I don't really intend to sell it. It's almost something I want to pass this down to my kids. I want to want to really use it as a, a way to build wealth for us um, for generations. But it's and but it's really just been the best thing I could have ever did. And I took a big risk because, um, you know, I, I was a college student graduating, taking on like a mortgage, um, but it was well worth it. Yeah. And did you uh, like, did you research that area? Or was it just kind of like, okay, well, this is the area that I can buy in. So this is going to buy in and then luck happens it, you know, it happens to turn into one of the best places to live now. 
Yeah. So it, it was, it, I guess it was the anchor bias because everywhere I was looking, I, was, I wanted like a brownstone, like my grandmother, I wanted multi, I wanted multi units and everything was at the time like $700,000, $800,000, like well out of my reach. So now I come on to this new development and the part that really made it affo- more affordable was that it wasn't built yet. So it was pre-construction where, so I, you know, anyone who bought in before it was built, it was a better price than if it was a built um, building because you're taking on this risk. So when I went to see my mom and I actually went, we went to the showroom and they had studio units starting in the 300,000 range, which was technically still a lot for me (laughs) graduating, (laughs) but compared to the $800,000 and buildings that I was seeing that it seemed, wow, this is actually seems like a good deal. And then they had like just the idea what Dumbo would become. So it was like one of the first buildings built in the area. And by the way, Dumbo stands for down under the Manhattan bridge overpass. So it was, you know, very new, but they had all these, these renderings and plans for the neighborhood. And I, and I said, you know what, I believe in this. It was, it's by the water. So it's on the waterfront. And so it made sense. Um, and so I, I just said, okay, you know, worst case scenario is that, you know, it, it was going to take two years to build. So I put my money down. My my mother also actually, she had saved up a, a lot or enough where she was able to help me too to for the down payment. So I put my down payment down and I had two years to save the rest, to save the additional 10% and closing costs. And in that time I was working, I started working my full-time job and my mother allowed me to live at home. So it allowed me to save money. And by the time it was completed, I said to myself, you know, if I can't afford to move in because the mortgage is just too high or it's too much, I'll just sell it. And luckily for me, by the time it did finish, the construction was done, I saw some appreciation and value. So I was like, you know, either way, I would have been fine in that sense. And that's so cool, I think, because you had this this two-year time period, like you knew the goal marker and you were able to, uh, you know, back into it versus kind of make a rash decision that maybe you would have gotten into something that you couldn't afford at that time. Right. And, you know, it's it's like all the stars really aligned at that point um, for me in terms of like why this made sense, because like you said, I had two years to save and invest. And it was funny because I passed it every day while I was driving to work. Like literally I saw this building every day from the ground up being constructed. And the funny thing is really my salary. So when I first graduated and I got my job, like the calculation, like this, my salary barely covered the mortgage. So not only was I saving for the down, the, the rest of the down payment and the closing costs, like I was saving to just bridge the gap between the rest of the expenses. But I banked on the fact that, you know, I would eventually make more money and that, you know, I'd be able to do it. And in worst case scenario, again, I'd be able to sell it or rent it out because I knew, I believed in the area. I saw the development coming to the area. And so also another thing that kind of helped me, which is not good, it didn't wasn't good for a lot of people, was it was really the time of the real estate boom. So when I did apply for mortgages, this was like a time and ever where there was like no doc mortgages. Like, so, (laughs) you know, um, which really bit a lot of people in the butt. And technically, if they would have like asked for documents, they wouldn't have lent me (laughs) the money because really, like on paper, I couldn't afford it. But I was so determined at that point to own something. And I really believed in it that it made sense. And it thank God it worked out. Yeah, that that's a very good real estate story. I love that one. And you know, another smart money move that you made, you talk a lot about you know, saving and investing money and you and your husband's goal of 
saving over 85,000 and you know you're still on the path to save even more money and i think you know so many people struggle with this you know how do you save and invest money when you're just trying to get by every day and, and no matter what your salary is it, it sort of feels like we're all living in somewhat of a like paycheck to paycheck phase tell me your secrets you know how did you go about saving this much money how did you attack that Right. So for the past two years, my husband and I together saved and invested about 85000 in one year and 84000 the other year. And I want to make it really clear for people, because when we started doing that, we didn't have we didn't have debt. So our only debt is our, are our mortgages. So that frees up a lot of money for us to just focus on goals. And then the other thing about it is we do have together, you know, combined good income to live in New York City, because I feel like sometimes like, you know, can everyone save $85,000? You know, maybe not. Maybe you can save more, but a lot of people might not relate to that and say, hey, like, I don't even make that much. How can I save that much? But I think the point is that what we did to be able to do that, because previously we weren't even saving a fraction of that. I mean, you know, we were saving and investing, but not nearly as much. And what changed for us was getting that awakening moment understanding what I wanted, that I didn't want to have to have this long commute and work forever. You know, I I was now starting a family. So I have two kids and I have another one on the way. So I knew at that point I wanted more from life. And so it was really about being just intentional and really taking a look at our expenses. And the other thing that really helped us save that much is that my husband, being a teacher, has access to two pre-tax retirement accounts. I have access to one. So we just made a decision that we would make our goals to max out as all the tax advantage accounts we could. Like that was our goal. And we had other savings goals like investing in index funds um, in a taxable account and 529 accounts. But we literally made that our main goals and then decided we were going to live off the rest. And so it almost forced us to prioritize and say to ourselves, OK, we like going out, but we, we're probably going to have to cut this. We like going on vacations, but unless it's going to be free through travel hacking, we probably can't go anymore for now. So we did make a lot of adjustments to be able to make sure our goals were met first, but then we were still able to live life now. You know, it's obviously very tough to manage money yourself. It's very tough, even tougher when you're in a relationship. You know, was this something where you and your husband kind of came at this from a common place or was there, you know, like points of tension around maybe cutting back on some of the things that you really love to do? Mm, you know, that's a good question because I, th- I think that's probably one of the hardest things if you, if your spouse and, you know, if they're not on the same page with you. So, Again, this was me having my awakening moment. And it was me kind of the one being a little stressed and stretched thin. So when I came home and I was telling him all about this financial independence movement and people retiring early, like this is something we don't, I don't, I never heard of before and neither has he. And so when I started talking about it, he was just looking at me like, (laughs) Like, really? Like, who does this? Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And so it took some conversations. But I think what really helped is that he saw that I was serious and he knew how hard I worked. And by then we were, I believe, by the time I really got serious, I think I was pregnant or we were planning to have our second child. So he saw, too, that like the value of just me having more flexibility and not having to do this forever. So one of the questions that I asked him, which I think helped him a lot, was I said to him, like, what do you envision a good life like in the future? Like when you're because he's able to retire at 55, which is still pretty early um, compared to some people due to due to his pension and all this teaching 
stuff. So I said to him, if you were able to retire at 55, like what kind of life would you want to live? Like where, like, you know, do you want to travel? Like what kind of things do you want to have? And then I said, and keeping that in mind, like what would it take to have a good life now? So I think by framing it in a way where like I was telling him, like we could still live good, like in both time periods. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. Now we do have to make like choices. Like we can't afford everything right now, but there is a way to, you know, look forward to the life we'll have when we're older, but then to still enjoy it now. I think that made him feel a little bit more comfortable. And then another thing that I do is I really try to make sure that I'm still hearing him out with his goals. So just, you know, just because I'm over having a nice car, you know, we, we both had nicer cars in our twenties when we weren't being that intentional, but I, and I could care less today about having a nice car, but he, I think still would like to go back into having like a luxury <laughs> car. So I never say as you know, the more, I would say quote unquote frugal one, like that's, dumb or no, we shouldn't do that. I said to him, listen, if I can facilitate that one day, if I can make enough money where we could do that or, you know, we can get that, like, I would totally support you having a nicer car because that's what he wants. So I think that helps him to like support my goals because he knows that if it's in my power and if we can do it, I would totally support what he wants. It's just about prioritizing um, everything. So I think that's kind of like how we kind of work through any, um, you know, reservations. And oh, and another thing we did was it took a lot. So in order for him or us to save that much, he had to like increase his contributions, almost 50% of his paycheck to the retirement accounts. That was a big stretch because before he was only, you know, doing like three or 6%. So we slowly started to increase it. And I told him, listen, we can back off anytime you don't feel comfortable. And then after a couple of months, he was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Like, let's just see what happens. And he was game for really trying to go all in. So that was cool. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I, I think, you know, setting those goals, because I think so many of us just go kind of through life, like you said, like we're going to our jobs, we're paying our bills, we're having our families and buying our houses and whatever it may be. And especially as couples, and we're not, you know, on the same page when it comes to like, what do we really want life to look like? Because that's such a great question that you bring up. You know, the the vision is, you know, what we want it to look like. And then the money is just the vehicle to achieve that mission. And it's going to be different for everyone. And so I think that's awesome that, you know, if your husband likes luxury cars that, you know, you phrase it like, okay, it's not like you're never going to get one, but, you know, let's just get in a, a different, you know, financial position or, or start marching towards our goals. You know, the question I have is, is have you found, you know, through having kind of this real partnership in the goals that there's not only a a sense of freedom, but but more of a connection with you both? Mm, Yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, because now we we it's almost like we have this like secret between us because a lot of people in real life. So while I like talk about it like online and I have a podcast, like and, and most of my close friends and family, they know already about like what we're trying to do in terms of like save a lot, invest a lot or reach our dreams. But it's almost just like when we see certain things or maybe there's things we want, we understand maybe why at the moment we're not going after it. So like while it would be great to go on a family vacation right now, even though the thought of having to go with kids <laughs> is not as fun. <laughs> but, you know, we think about things in a way where it's just like, you know what, but there's a reason like why we're doing this. Like it's for like a greater goal. Um, and so that is kind of cool because it's kind of like our thing that we're working on together. And it makes like when, you know, so I'll update him. So he, to be honest, he's not as, you know, 
intense or involved in the finances. I would usually bring him in, like, you know, I run everything by him. You know, we have a budget. He has it on his phone. I have it on my phone. So when I'm able to tell him, like, oh, look, you know, our accounts are this much or and this is going on, like, it kind of, it excites him. So we, it's like our little thing together where we're just like chugging along and I make sure to keep him really looped in on like what's going on and how much closer we're getting to our goals. That's so great. You know, I think when you can have that, that place of excitement about it, you know, it no longer becomes a place of restriction, which I feel like so many people are just stuck in that place. Would you say that as well? Yeah. So I think being open and being able to talk about that and having that excitement does totally help when it comes to not feeling stuck. And also one thing you have to eliminate too is like the guilt and shame for past decisions. So when I think back yes. of the things that we could have done, like if I, if we would have did this or at least known about this years ago in our 20s, I mean, there are a lot of things I wouldn't have bought and, you know, because I don't really care about that now, but I feel like there could have been so much more progress. But you know what? At the moment, it felt good. I'm not, I don't regret it. It's something I did. So it's almost too like you have to let go of any, um, you know, judgments on yourself of any past decisions and just understand like you can always move forward and do something different. For sure. And you're a mom, you're about to be a mom of three, uh, very, very, very shortly. And, you know, you've got a lot of things. You're running a business, you're managing a family, you got a podcast. You know, there's a lot going on in your world, and that can be both tough and expensive. There are a lot of uh, new moms or new parents soon to be listening to this podcast. Do you have any really good, like, mom tricks to help you save money, uh, you know, and still be able to enjoy your family? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I have two small kids, another on the way, so soon to be three, like you said, and I'd say, luckily for us, the first two were boys, and they're literally two years apart. So born in the same season, which means they can, the youngest one has- Share clothes. Share clothes, and it's the same season, So they, and they're about the same size, so that helps tremendously. And also, like, so we don't spend a lot of money on things for them. I mean, experiences, we, you know, we do. So museum passes and, you know, doing fun things, we, we spend money, but we try to do it for free. So in New York- Yes, it's an expensive place to live, but there are tons of free things to do with kids, especially in the summer and spring when you can be outside. So we definitely take advantage of that. But when it comes to clothes and toys, we really don't buy a lot of that throughout the year. We make do with what we have. And sometimes my husband and I will look at each other and say, "Okay, we have to go shopping for the kids. Um, But it's really not something that is, you know, the main focus for us is maybe some other parents, like they really get into like the clothes and all this. And for us, we don't really, we just don't care about it. Um, you know, they're clean, they're healthy and that's what matters. And, you know, I think another thing that really helps is like relationship currency and meaning, you know, we have a good support system. And so, you know, I have um, my mom and I have my aunt who actually helps watch them while we both work. And it's really helpful because, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. Like we don't necessarily have to like we pay my aunt because she watches them. But like I mean, in terms of like a babysitter or um, doing other things where maybe we'd have to like pay money for. But we have like help where they someone can like relieve us if we want to have a date night. Like so I find that kind of stuff like the currency of even just friends. Like so we have friends that have kids and they'll give us stuff and we'll give them our like older 
kid stuff. It's like that that relationships, the relationships where you can actually like benefit and not that you only have them because you can benefit because of monetary reasons. But you're able to actually, you know, have that support and then kind of also in the, in the turn save money because you have people who support you. You support people. So that I think has helped a lot just having kids. Um, so I'd say really mainly, hopefully you can either not focus too much on the clothes and toys, you know, if they get them for their birthdays and Christmas, great. Um, and then also just, just be mindful of like, you know, do you have someone who can help you out? Can you switch? Can you barter babysitting services? Um, can you find other ways to save money for childcare? Cause that is the biggest expense I think for most people, especially if they're working, it's a childcare part of it. And was that something you thought about ahead of time or was that just something that sort of evolved after you had your first child? Yeah, you know, um, it, it again, what it evolved uh, because we, we, when I was pregnant with my first son, I hadn't, we had no idea how we were going to make both of us working, especially with my long commute and then him working, like, like how that would work without having to put our son in daycare and spend a lot of money. And it just so happened that, you know, I have an aunt that that's what she does. And she was out of work like she that's she watches kids. And so it worked out perfectly where she needed a job. We needed someone. And it was like a great fit (laughs) now. So that that helped. So it wasn't something intentional. It really came just to be. But we luckily had all the things together to be able to do that. And again, I'm not going to deny that, you know, it's while I work hard, my husband works hard. We're able to like afford like having her like help us. And which is like a huge, huge help for me with all the things that I have going on. Yes, because you are definitely a busy lady. You have made so many smart money moves, whether you consciously made them or not. I think, you know, this episode has been awesome. Hopefully it helps people kind of reline their own thinking, maybe help them, you know, really focus on the goals and the life that they want to lead. So tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and where they can plug into your podcast, Journey to Launch. Sure. So if you want to connect more with me, you can do that. I'm on all social media as Journey to Launch. Also, you can check out my website, journeytolaunch.com. And as for the podcast, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. So wherever you're listening to Millennial Money right now, you can listen to Journey to Launch. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart. So basically anywhere. And I, I love connecting and talking to people about what's going on because really like the idea is it's all relative. All Your goals are relative to you. What you can do is relative to your situation, but there's always a way to improve and do more. So I always just encourage people just to do the best and any little improvement counts and is something you should be proud of. So I think she said it best. Every little improvement counts. Every little act of just finding that mystery spending, finding ways to save money, finding ways to up your contribution in your retirement plans. But more than that, I think just figuring out why in the world are you saving? What is your mission? What is your goal? What do you want your life to look like? Because when you attach the savings to that, I have found at least personally, it really helps you stay motivated and especially during those hard times. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, make them subscribe on their phones, and head on over to the link in the show notes to leave us a review.
Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.